The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everyone, this is The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And you are and listening is... to episode 13. Is it 13? I'm pretty sure it is. What happened to 12? <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> wow, that doesn't seem right, but okay. Yes, yes. Um, man, last week from our conversation, somehow we got to the topic of this this week. But before that, I want you guys to know you can find us online at YouTube. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Follow all of our fun activity that we do. <laughs> all of it. So yes, much. Yes, yeah. Which it should be up by the time you hear this, right, Brian? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And you can find us, like, our actual content on YouTube and lots of podcast places. And uh, I was I, I just Googled us today. Bing does do not that. bring up any results for our podcast. But Google, though, is very tried and true. <laughs> um, they, uh, yeah, they pop us up on all of our random, really obscure podcast places. But you can find us on Spotify, Pandora, and we're still waiting on a few others. But Stitcher, Stitcher, I think. I think yep, Stitcher, I, be- I do believe. The podcast um, app? You, no, not the podcast app yet. Oh, um, but just kidding. Yeah, we are on Stitcher. Yes, okay. And you can also find us on um, Audible, like Amazon kind of stuff, too. So we are there as well. Um, like, subscribe, comment. Send us emails. We like an old-fashioned email every once in a while. Baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. Um, and I think I got all that stuff out of the way. Um but yeah, this week I heard rumors that Brian actually has notes, which I'm kind of scared For now. Once. Yeah, this is pretty unprecedented. <laughs> well, truth be told, I have some notes too that I'm uh, kind of surprised at the volume of notes, but it's probably going to go kind of quick um, for my side, maybe. I don't know. I like to ramble, yeah. so. We. But- seem to be pretty good at rambling and diverging off into different perhaps surprising directions like yes this week uh, how yeah. this week is a branch off of last week's somehow definitely i was i almost forgot the topic cuz because our our transition was such a natural organic transition and it was like for a split second we're like oh yeah that's the next episode that i almost forgot the context of it but i remembered so uh we're talking about something that maybe some people are uncomfortable with is that right yeah and really like i mean to preface that like i mean this whole podcast is things some people might be uncomfortable with you know very true very true and actually kind of a side note um i don't know if this is going to make it in the final cut but at work they have something 
that we, you can submit your like creativity or like what you do, like kind of geared more towards like the pandemic. Like how are you getting through the pandemic or like what's your creative side? And it's like basically like what are you uh, like on the outside of work? And I'm going to submit a little blurb about not only our podcast, but also our music. And maybe I'll make oh, the cut yeah. to get to get it the, our stuff posted on that that intranet site but uh we might have some fellow work people out there so i just want to say hi but hi i don't know (laughs) if that's ever going to make it (laughs) um but yeah uncomfortable this is very uncomfortable brian thanks no i'm kidding we are we are going to talk about the topic of death like end of life kind of stuff yeah, um, this isn't like a, a an afterlife because we kind of already covered that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in our destiny episode, I think, and so this is going to be more of like instead of oh, what happens after you die? This is going to be like what happens when you die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the utility of death. Like, what is it? What does it look like? And how does it? I don't know. Tie into our spiritual traditions. Yeah. And you know, we kind of talked about this last week, how we, um, like we get to a point in our life where we realize our mortality. And I think I like quoted a show or something that I heard that from, like you never thought about your mortality and like until you realize it or something like that. And like, it just like you have that moment. And I remember, when I was in elementary school and we had these kind of discussions back then, like, man, it's so weird that like one day we're going to die. Like what happens? Like what's that going to feel like or look like? And like, what's like, how is it the transition? And unfortunately in the world of the living, we don't have any living um, witnesses to the the process of death. Uh, That's debatable though, because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of near-death experiences, um, you know, NDEs or whatever they call them. Um, yeah. And some of them are very, very lucid. Some of them are very kind of like more abstract. And and a lot of those are really interesting. And there's also like some really interesting studies. And uh, I forgot the, the, the guy's name who like actively studies and records like near-death experiences and tries to find patterns and it's just like a really interesting field of of study yeah yeah i've i've heard i've listened to some podcasts about ndes and like and uh different situations like that and they always go back to like this study website probably the one the guy that you're mentioning but um it's really interesting. I don't know what to make of it exactly um, because some yeah. of them are very personalized. Some of them are not and like very opposite of what their personalized near-death experience would be. Um, and maybe that's another topic for another day because um, that's, that's a really interesting thing to look at. And, you know, you have, you have these these stories of like going to heaven or, you know, seeing relatives, you know, there's always some like light at the end of some tunnel or something. Um, and honestly, I don't really, I'm not going to say they're not real, but I'm not going to say they are real just based off of principles. We have no idea. 
Yeah, we're not going to cling to views of near-death experience and make, yeah. you know, take solid positions on it, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, exactly. all like along the same lines, you know, because uh, I watched uh, like a panel discussion a long time ago on YouTube with like near-death experience and um, and like recalling your last your past lives and and that itself is also really interesting field of study with like very very interesting like anecdotal uh stories and uh and i don't even know if the the same like institute that studies the near-death experiences touches on this but it might it might be another one where they categorize and study those two and it's just it's pretty fascinating, pretty hmm. fascinating stuff. Interesting. Yeah. So death, um, probably not going to talk about near-death experiences as much in my notes. Um, <laughs> um, but I was I was looking at death in the Bible, like what the Bible has to say about it, and I noticed there's like this uh, this difference between like. A dispensational like in the in the dispensational view there is the god working through israel through the nations through the earth for a kingdom um and their their program basically that they had to follow versus like what paul says about death what paul says regarding like the heavenly hope that we have and the uh, outlook that we have and uh and it's almost like in the Old Testament, if you will, I'm just going to use that vernacular. In the Old Testament, uh, death was kind of scary and sorrowful, sorrowful, and uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, a negative in a way. There were some positives um, mentioned in the Old Testament, you know, some hope there, but a lot of negativity. And like in the in the New Testament, mainly Paul's epistles, there's a lot of positivity about that. And I, the, whenever I, whenever I was thinking death, dying, like the first place that I automatically thought of was Philippians one twenty one, And that's kind of like in, in the Christian world, we kind of choose a verse as a life verse. Like some people will just like cling to a verse, like as their favorite or like, you know, get that inscribed on their Bible cover or whatever. Um, but Philippians one twenty one is like one of my favorites. It's, uh, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul was talking about in that passage that he was like, so, um, conflicted with like his desires to either like stay alive and like reach people that need to know Christ. Um, and he says like, I'm, I'm in a straight betwixt two. Like I'm stuck between two things. Like for me to live is like, is, is profitable for like for a lot of people, but like to die is much better. Like I, I just want to be with, with Jesus. Um, so for, for him to, to live was Christ. Like Christ was his life. Like he was, that was his purpose. Um, and that should be like every Christian's purpose. Um, and, but to die is gain because he gets to go and be with Christ, which he says is like far better is much better. Um, so like either way, like I've heard like a lot from, uh, I've heard this 
from a few places, but I remember specifically, I heard this quote from like some hostage situation in an electronic store. And you might remember seeing a, a show about this where like they took like these bad guys took this, this, uh, electronic store, like everyone inside hostage. And this guy, he's kind of bold, like, yeah, you're not going to boss me around. And his quote was, you can't threaten me with heaven. And like, that always stuck with me. Like, okay, that's one way to deal with it. <laughs> um, he's like, I'm not afraid to get shot, uh, which can be foolish in some situations, but depending on everything else, but, um, and then the second place that my mind goes to about dying and death was, well, there's a ton, a ton of other places, but it was, uh, it's the Bible. Basically it says that it's, it's appointed man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And I think that's in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews three or eight or something like that. Um, but so the Bible talks about a person dying and like their physical death is only once. Like there's no do overs. There's no, um, like uh, there's no replay. Cause this life is, this life is it. Like this life is like the only life in this nature that we are going to experience. Um, and it is given to us to live and die. Um, and I think uh, that that can be kind of done like a daunting, uh, thought to a lot of people. Um, like it's just this life and that's it. And you know, some people will say, well, this is the only life I have, so I'm going to live it up. I'm going to make YOLO. the most of it. YOLO. Yeah. You only live once. <laughs> um, but you'll, you also only die once. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always say to that. Which brings another point that this is this was probably one of the verses that like kind of hit me hard um when I first became and maybe even before I became a Christian. This might be a verse that led me to become a Christian. Um and it was what profiteth a man if he gained the whole world but loses his soul? And it, it, that kind of speaks to the, the, um, the thought about chasing after, you know, fleshly things, you know, temporal things. Um, you just want to follow your will and your heart, but after all, like you lose everything and even your soul. And I mean, even the Bible talk, the Bible says like, don't fear the one that can kill your body, but fear the one that can kill your body and soul. And, you know, the word of God, it says the word of God is powerful, even to the dividing of not only like bones and marrow, but, or flesh and marrow, but soul and spirit. So like God's word and his, his power and his strength can, 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 kill those things that aren't temporal that aren't a physical temporary thing um and very simply like death the bible says in romans 6 23 that the wages of sin is death so like because we're a fallen creature and 
creation and we're a fallen people and our our nature is the way of man is the way of sin and the flesh and you know vain imaginations that like because that is in our nature death is also in our nature like there's no way around it and you know people try to find immortality in things um and even like even this will go into angel angel angelology a little bit but like the fallen angels that that procreated with women they the the bible actually talks about them inheriting death like they actually inherited the ability to die because of that that union somehow i don't even know how that works um it could be in dna it could be on a spiritual level but somehow death the death nature was inherited to those to those fallen angels um so like death it's not like it's an arbitrary thing an arbitrary fact it's just like that's just the nature of sin is death like sin equals death like there's no way around it um and you know like adam and eve they weren't supposed to originally die but since they since they disobeyed god's orders and god's will like that sin nature automatically was inherited with that death nature and you know it's not because the fruit that they ate was the actual poison of life or whatever like who knows what that fruit was and it wasn't an apple probably um it's actually a really interesting study on that but um but uh the 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 very fact that a creation of god was like decided to use their free will to pivot their will to kind of pit their will against god's will that's how i see that the sin nature like that that's the sin nature i see is it's pitting our will against god's will um so that death is inherited sin is uh, sin basically like you know it's a wage like death is the wage like okay because there's sin like we get paid death like it's just the natural like if you work you get money uh, you if you reap you sow or you if you sow you reap um it's just the the natural way sin works basically um and god you know that's that's how god made it and so i was looking at death like what does the bible say about death and i guess going along the lines of like adam and eve and how they ate the fruit and god said you know the, the day that you eat that fruit you shall surely die they didn't die that that day that 24 hour day but they died in their in a spiritual sense they died in the sense that uh, it's interesting because when you look in the bible no one makes it to a thousand years old people do make it very close melchizedek was the oldest he was like 900 and something 80 something or i don't remember the exact uh the exact uh age but um or not melchizedek methuselah um he was the oldest and uh no one made it to a, a thousand years and the bible says a thousand years is a day to the lord 
and a day is a thousand years. Um, so you can almost kind of see that aspect as well, but Adam did die. Um, and everyone's been dying ever since. Um, it's just been a slaughterhouse of history. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, you know, 10 out of 10 people that were born are going to die. So life's so dangerous. No one makes it out alive. Yeah, exactly. And scary statistics, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) So like, um, so because death came by man, the Bible also, the Bible says death came by man, but life also came by man. And that was through Jesus. Like he was the second Adam. They, that's the, the Bible calls him the second Adam because, okay, the first Adam messed up. Like he was supposed to be the king of the earth. You know, he was supposed to subdue the earth, do God's will and failed. Um, and, God knew it was going to fail. That's why Jesus was born and it was prophesied that he was born. And then he died on the cross and he brought life in by the man, Jesus, uh, and death and life, you know, they're the opposite from each other. Um, if you get rid of life, there's death. If you get rid of death, I mean, you can't really get rid of death, but if you move death out of the picture, there's life. So, um, so interesting. The Bible also talks about the sting of death is sin. So it's not only the wages of sin; it's also the sting of of death is sin. Like sin makes death sorrowful, and sin makes death possible, and it makes it not a good thing. <laughs> um, but what happens when you when you die? Like what, what is death? I mean, in a biblical sense, death is when the soul is separated from the body. When your being exits the vessel, the earthen vessel, um, the, the, the transportation vessel, if you will, like really it's, this isn't us. We're not this body. We're in this body and this is our body. But when, like, you know, medically and, um, like medically death, you know, brain waves stop, the heart stops, um, everything goes, everything just stops and cellular respiration stops. Um, all of those processes stop. Um, and I, I really, do see like biblically there's the sense that the soul since the soul is gone the body doesn't need to go on anymore and you know we talked about destiny of the soul before you know heaven or hell um so the body you know goes to dust but the body the body's not going to stay dust no matter what if you're a safe person if you're a lost person the body is not going to stay dust because there is something that's going to happen. And this is, gets more into like the, the end time eschatology kind of stuff. But the reason I bring that up is because the Bible says that there's a second death. So there's a, that automatically makes there a first death. So the first death is the death of the body, you know we're dead we died 
but in I'm going to pull up this verse here in, and it's in Revelation the Revelation ooh mysterious spooky stuff or whatever people think Revelation is um, let's see and this stuff is can get really intense and insane um, in Revelation 20 so we're nearing the end of the, the whole Bible we're two chapters away um, but let's see because he an angel comes out of heaven with a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he got the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. Okay. So that's the binding of Satan, um, bottomless pit. And after a thousand years, he comes out. Oh, well, let's see. Um, verse five. Well, verse four talks about those that did not receive the mark of the beast and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead. So here it talks about it during this like future event, some people are resurrected. And when I approach revelation, it has nothing to do with the church, the body of Christ, this day and age. It all has to do with the prophetic workings of God from the old Testament up until the rapture of the church and then the prophetic timeline starts again. So this doesn't really have anything to do with the body of Christ, but it has everything else to do with everyone else. So he resurrects these people in this future event. And it says the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. So there was a thousand year period that something's going to happen. And then at the end of the thousand years, something else happens. But at the beginning of the first, at the beginning of the thousand years, there's a first resurrection so people are brought alive. The body is brought alive again. Um, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath, hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the resurrected people live for a thousand years through this thousand year reign of Christ. And this basically is Christ on the earth reigning as a king for a thousand years. And then when the thousand years are expired, Satan comes out of the bottomless pit that he was formerly formerly um, put into. There's a huge battle. It's like the battle of Gog and Magog. Uh, and this huge battle, they come around the city of Jerusalem where Christ is reigning from. And fire comes out of heaven and devours them. And really it burns everything up ever and the bible says that uh, the heavens and earth will pass away with a fervent heat the elements shall melt um, everything will be devoured except for basically everyone <laughs> everyone's going to be um, put into the safety of basically god's the palm of his hand but um but it, here it talks about there being a second death and let me jump over to um, 2014. And so during this very end of almost very end of everything God's been doing, he resurrects the dead and says, I saw the dead small and great stand before God. So this is basically anyone that's, been through the prophetic program, you know, following God's law, 
um, doing the sacrifices or whatnot, going through the tribulation, and also all the lost, like unsaved people as well. Um, anybody from any age, because if they were lost, they were in hell. And here it says, um, he saw the dead, great and small, stand before God. And this is what we call the white, the great white throne judgment. And it's just the title we threw on it. Um, and God opened a book, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So they were judged to their, according to their works, not their sins, but their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So hell delivers up the dead. Death and hell delivers up, you know, everyone dead. Um, that were there and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Uh, and it, it calls this the second death. So like the, you remember hell is just a temporary holding place. And then the lake of fire is like the, the end result. That is the second death. So there's a second dying in in the Bible and whoever whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire um, so the second death is not just the bodily death but it's also I believe there's going to be a resurrection of those people you know bod bodily resurrection of those people and then a second death not so much as the body dying, but the separation of soul from the presence and the working of God. They call it the outer darkness, um, the, the lake of fire. And, you know, I don't exactly know what that's going to be or where that's going to be, but I know it's, it's, it burns, there's smoke, there's torment, and there's also darkness, um, and let me see, I had one more verse regarding the second death that I wanted to bring up. Kind of talking about the, around, like, kind of the tribulation period, which will be, like, basically, it's a seven-year period of kind of bad things happening on the earth. Um, God's judgment is is exacted on the earth, basically, his anger. Um, he said unto me, it is done, I am Alpha and Omega in the beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely he that overcometh shall inherit all things so overcoming the tribulation and i will be his god and he shall be my son talking about israel um, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death so there's that second death again fire brimstone like a lake of fire like and that's clearly not for god's people or you know the followers of god that's for the people that have not been saved or not followed god god's uh will or his word or his law or, or whatever time frame you've been you would find yourself in Basically, if you're not right with God, that's that's the second death that will be 
face. And, you know, that's not a fun thing to talk about. Like, like, oh, yeah, God is love and God is great and he loves everyone. And, you know, it says that he will not have all perish but come to the knowledge of his grace. Basically, I'm very paraphrasing that, but God will not have any to perish. Like, he doesn't want anyone to perish. But there's always an unfortunate truth that goes with it because from a biblical perspective, man always has a choice no matter what. So the, and it's not like, it's not like it's, uh, he's unjust because he is just. And that is the, the all encompassing justness. Like he, he he doesn't have a choice in it like that's that's the only way to do it and that's the he can't not do it because of his in in innate justness and righteousness um because sin can't be in the presence of god like sin cannot see his face uh it's just not possible and that's why he made a way out of that so it is possible um, and that's, you know, through Jesus. Um, but the second death, like when I came to like ponder death, I, I, I'm like, yeah, death, you know, dying the body. And then I'm like, oh yeah, there's a second death. Like I completely forgot about that. <laughs> like there's a, it's not Sure, it is appointed man once to die and after this the judgment, but after that is the second death. Not necessarily dying as man, but dying in a positional sense of being separated from God and his creation and his goodness, basically. And Because right now we're in his creation. Right now we're, we're given his grace and given his love and uh, it's free for anybody, but it's not going to be that it's not going to be that way forever because there has to be a judgment. Um, so definitely not fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, definitely not fun to talk about, but I mean, first Corinthians 15 does talk about death being it. it I think that's where it was talking about death or the sting of death is sin. But it also talks about how death will be the last enemy that that God vanquishes. Like he's death is one of the enemies, and he's actually going to vanquish that. And you see that as the second death, basically. Like he he's done away with. He's going to be done away with the last enemy of death. And it, it was it's really interesting when you look at death, the concept, and see how. Um, let me see if I can find it. I think it's in Hebrews 2. Because when you go back to the um, deity of Jesus and how he's fully God and fully man, and he's uh, God incarnate into a fleshly being, it's like this is such a bizarre statement when you actually think about it. It says in Hebrews 2, 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Like, so God made himself lower than the angels, which naturally doesn't, they don't see death. They don't see a natural decaying death. 
Um, but he was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death. So like, so he could die crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So there's a passage in the Bible talking about how Jesus was made or God was made perfect through Jesus. And it's like, what does that mean? And I think that means when you look at who Jesus is and what he did, like God never experienced actually being in a fleshly body until Jesus was born. He never actually could like, I don't want to say he couldn't like sympathize, sympathize or like have empathy for people. But like, I think really through experiencing the life of Jesus, like God actually knows exactly what we're going through now. Because he was tempted on every side, the Bible says. Like he was tempted with every temptation that man is tempted with. Um, he just didn't take that bait and 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 sin through that temptation. Because temptation is not a sin. It's allowing that temptation to come to fruition in your life is really the sin. Um, but he he came into that flesh and made like lived a life so he could taste death like could experience that and like it's just a really weird concept that like through that experience god was made perfect and that perfect doesn't mean sinless it doesn't mean like the holy just person it just means like uh like matured or like completed um so God never really experienced actual death until we see Jesus on the cross. You know, my God, why hath thou forsaken me? Um, when God turned his face away from his, his self, like from his, in his bodily self, like he turned his face away from him. The father turned his face away from the son and tasted death, but it, it comes full circle because the necessity to get rid of death was for the one that who couldn't die to die as like a contradiction, like to be able to get rid of death and sin and suffering. Like the one who couldn't die had to make it possible for him to die. And that was like, you know, the blood of animals couldn't do in, couldn't touch sin. Like it could only cover it temporarily in, uh, in a, in a gesture, in a, in a temporary way, um, just as a showing of your faith to God. But like the blood of Jesus, since it was the blood of God could actually take care of the problem. And that was his plan the whole time. Like, okay, man's going to have this heart, this will, like a, and angels too, like angels are going to have this will that they're going to turn against me. So man will be redeemable through this blood because it's God tasting death for every man when he shouldn't have tasted death. And that, that was, that's why like the sacrifice of Jesus is like the final sacrifice because the, the one person and creature that shouldn't die did die and that covered sin. Um, and that, that was like one of the things, one of the verses that I saw on death that really came, like brought it full circle because out of that death comes life. And it's just like, okay, I, I think I see the purpose of death now. 
um, which doesn't make it any less, well, it does make it less scary for a Christian, um, for myself at least. I remember um, I was always so scared of dying and like so scared of scary things. Like this is going to sound really stupid and this is going to be a topic for another episode, but like I was so afraid of like visitations from ghosts or aliens or something supernatural or, and just sleeping. I, I was afraid of my own dreams. Like I cannot, like I had such a horrible time sleeping and I look on Facebook memories and it's like, yep, can't sleep tonight. Another sleepless night. And like, wow, insomnia is hitting me again. Like I could not sleep because I was so scared. Um, and then when I, when I came to know Jesus, like that, that instantly took away those fears. I'm like, man, I'm so stupid. Like I shouldn't be afraid of these things. Um, and I wasn't stupid to be afraid of scary things or death, but it really did do something for me where I didn't fear death anymore. It was just, it's just a weird thing, but yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, the, the contrast of like the fear and then the almost like reassurance, um, it kind of mirrors uh, a uh, what I wanted to open up my 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 side with, which is this concept of it's called Sangvega, and um and it 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 said that contemplating death invokes this this. The, the, what's called Sangvega and this Sangvega is this feeling um this almost sense of shock um like dismay <laughs> uh that comes with realizing you know the futility and meaninglessness of life as it's normally lived um it's like oh my gosh whoa I'm gonna die like what the heck you know um, and it's, it can be a, like a, it can chasten you, um, of, about like your sense of like complacency. Um, you know, it's like, oh, we've lived, you know, oh man, I've lived my life so blindly and carelessly. And, and now there's this like ancient sense of urgency, um, especially in a Buddhist sense, like this, this anxious sense of, of trying to get out of, get out of that, of that cycle, maybe that inevitability. Um, and, and it's, it's really kind of laid out when you look at the story of the Buddha and his life. Um, you know, he grew up as a prince and we'll touch on like a more detailed, exploration of his the story of his life in a, in another episode so i'm just going to gloss over uh some of it to make the point but um you know he grew up as a prince and and his father had sheltered him from anything bad you know he had been brought up with a life of luxury and you know anything he ever wanted he got and um 
and his father was very very adamant that he was not to be exposed to the the unpleasurable aspects of life so one day he like kind of snuck out and um and saw reality um and the, he's it says he saw four things uh and sometimes these are called like four the four divine messengers and the first three were an old person um and he was like whoa what's wrong with them you know like what what's up with that and his attendant was like oh that 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 person's old. That's something that happens to people. It's like, is it gonna happen to me? Yes, it's it's gonna happen to you. And then he sees a sick person, and he's like, wait, what's wrong with him? You know what's what's happening? And he's told, oh, that person is sick. That's something that's unavoidable. That's gonna happen to everyone, even me. Yes, even you. And then he sees a dead body decayed on the side of the road. And he's like, okay, what's wrong with them? That doesn't look good. And he's told, well, that, that person has died and will never get up. You know? And he's like, that can't. Is that going to happen to me? It's like, yes, that is also going to happen to you. And and it's a good illustration of of the kind of confrontation of uh, of aging of, of getting sick and you know decline of health and death and this those scenarios either if you if you actually see a dead body on the side of the road or and come to that realization or just you know come to it of your own imagination or whatever you know what however you come across these these first three divine messengers, this is what like brings up this feeling of song Vega of this urgency, this anxious urgency and, hmm. and almost like alienation. Um, and the fourth messenger though, uh, he sees, a a, a religious person, an ascetic, uh, someone, you know, back in, back in those days, you know, ascetics would be roaming around, and you know the people practicing very austere practices, uh, trying to reach some kind of spiritual ascension or what have you. And so he sees this 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 person walking along the road in a robe, very simple, and he he notices, wow, they look very serene, very calm and confident. And he realizes there's something to that, you know, there's something to that. I have to explore that. And that's what led him into his spiritual life, leaving his, his decadent, uh, life at the age of 29 and, uh, deciding to go down this path of, of a religious life. And, and so you have Sang Vega, but then you have this other aspect that comes up. Uh, called Posada and this and the seeing the ascetic was kind of an illustration of this Posada and this is a like a, a serene confidence a calm that comes up I guess when you when you are able to to embrace that 
inevitability of death and the the meaninglessness of life and you find this something that actually means something and it's like oh yes like i i can rest easy knowing you know knowing this and um so the the famous monk uh tanisaro bhikkhu uh he's uh I think he's of the Thai forest tradition, which is a Theravada tradition uh, that came out of Thailand, um, hence the name. And I was reading a, an essay he wrote about Song Vega and Posada, and he, I just want to read some things that he wrote because I think it's funny. But he, in this he, in this essay he makes a statement that um, that I think would sound that I think would sound pretty radical. Um, and on the topic of Sam of Song Vega, and he says that with Song Vega comes an acceptance that birth and aging and death are meaningless, and that sounds very like nihilistic, and but it kind of I think it it, it kind of highlights and emphasizes the first noble truth of the four noble truths, which is existence is characterized by suffering and this is kind of the the meaninglessness like no matter what you do there's going to be dukkha there's going to be dissatisfaction there's going to be suffering and i mean of course only really only from a a, a, a perspective that clings to self but so you know, suffering is unavoidable. There's n there's seemingly nothing you can do to avoid it, um, except they offered the second and third and fourth noble truth that says, "Oh, but there is." Um, but this, you know, this from a conventional viewpoint, it's like this. Sangvega makes it seem like make brings to light the the meaninglessness of 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 life and so Tenisaro Bhikkhu says if the father of the Buddha were really up to current trends he might find a Dharma teacher who would counsel uh, the prince or the Buddha uh, to find happiness in life's little miraculous pleasures a cup of tea a walk in the woods social activism easing another person's pain Never mind that these forms of happiness would still be cut short by aging, illness, and death. He would be told, The present moment is all we have, so we should try to appreciate the bittersweet opportunity of relishing, but not holding on to brief joys as they pass. But he continues to say, It's unlikely that the lion-hearted prince, the Buddha, we know from the story, would take any of this well-meant advice. He'd see it as propaganda for a life of quiet desperation, asking him to be a traitor to his heart um and it's because he he has he had these realizations of death and and old age and sickness and to offer these ideas of oh just enjoy your cup of tea enjoy a walk in the woods it's like yeah but that's not that doesn't solve anything the buddha wanted answers and that's what he went for you know he wanted to find the ultimate path of liberation from the suffering not just a oh i'll kick back and enjoy the ride until it ends um 
And so, so as I said, like sometimes, you know, from a conventional sense, it seems pretty bleak. Um, because, you know, it's like the first noble truth is like the bad news. It's like, oh, you know, life, life is suffering. Um, and then, but the, you know, the second, the second truth goes on to say, oh, but there's something that causes this suffering. And the third states, oh, and because there's a cause, there's a cessation of suffering. Um, because anything caused can end. And the fourth noble truth is like, oh, here's the path to that cessation of suffering. And that's 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 where Posada, the the serene confidence, comes in. Uh, we can we can take the understanding of the meaninglessness of the cycle of samsara, as we call it, um, and we can we can cultivate that 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 serene confidence. Uh, and and so how uh, you might ask you know how do we uh maybe even why would we contemplate death and invoke this song vega um and i don't know what i want to touch on first uh marana sati the the awareness of death and this is this comes out of the four foundations of mindfulness which I think I've talked on of great length several times already, but, um, and this, this, this practice of the awareness of death, and they're called the charnel ground practices, um, because traditionally, uh, uh, a bhikkhu or a monk, um, would go to a charnel ground and see these dead bodies. But you don't, I don't think you necessarily have to actually see the dead bodies to really have this practice invoked. And, um, and so he's in, in, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the, the four foundations of mindfulness, he says, um, I mean, there's several different progressions of this, but he says, and further monks, as if a monk sees a body dead one, two, or three days, swollen, blue and festering, thrown in the charnel ground, he then applies this perception to his own body thus. Verily, also my own body is of the same nature. Such it will become and will not escape it. And so, and uh, something interesting about the opening part um, is when he says, and further monks, as if a monk sees a dead body. So you don't necessarily have to actually see a dead body to be able to apply the perception to your own body of seeing this body. But, um, and he continues, with, he, he continues with that, um, you know, one, two or three days dead. Um, uh, and the, I mean, the point is to be able to see that reality and apply it to your own body, kind of remove that cognitive dissonance, like, oh no, I'll, I'll live forever, you know, or maybe not even that, maybe just turn a blind eye to the, the truth. And he goes on to say, like, oh, you know, you see a body thrown in the charnel ground, being eaten by vultures and dogs and crows, 
and then you know apply that perception to your own body and uh you see a body in the charnel ground that's just skeleton with some flesh and blood attached and <laughs> apply that perception you see a body a, a skeleton without flesh blood smeared you apply that perception um you see a skeleton without flesh without blood held together by tendons and then you see you see bones disconnected scattered in all directions oh there is a hand bone there's a foot bone there's a shin bone there's a skull you took my legs and they threw it over there <laughs> yeah and you apply that perception oh yes this body too will be over there and there and there oh <laughs> uh, and then you see bones bleached white in the charnel grounds and then you see bones that have been lying for more than a year lying in a heap and then uh, then finally you see bones that have rotten and become dust and apply this perception yes this body too will become that and it's a lot you know to to do and a, 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 a people probably don't want to do this um and so the question is like why would we do this and one it 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 can invoke that song vega and give you like this urgency um to practice to you know live a skillful life um but it also especially in the sense of this specific discourse on the mindfulness uh, the foundations of mindfulness uh this part follows after mindfulness on the parts of the body that is to really specifically invoke like the repul like repulsion of the body um and it's not to make make you think bodies are icky but it's to help on a stop clinging to the body um because we cling to the aggregates that make up the the appearance of a self and that is no good because those things will become dust and that's it, it'll never be able to offer you know satisfaction and so it's a it's a strong practice to help kind of become unattached to the body unattached to the sense pleasures that come with having a body um and five six senses um and there's another thing that i think i touched on that i reminded or that i brought up in the last episode the five remembrances um and these are five things that the buddha really suggested to, to contemplate every day um one to to invoke that song vega um but the the first remembrance is i'm subject to old age i cannot escape old age and this helps with abandoning uh what we might call the intoxication of youth of beauty you know 
oh, I'm never, you know, oh, I look so good, you know, our 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 culture's so obsessed with youth and beauty. And mm-hmm. it's like, but we are all going to grow old. Like, you can fight it, but, you know, I mean, the the beauty industry is probably, like, probably makes most of its profits on the idea of looking young, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just you can try as many beauty creams as you want and surgeries and injections, but you, your body will decay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and so reflecting on that, that fact can help you, um, become less intoxicated with the idea of youth and beauty and embrace the, the reality. You know, it doesn't have to be horrible to age. You can, you know, grow old gracefully you know right exactly and the second remembrance is i'm subject to illness i cannot escape illness and this kind of helps uh abandon or diminish it doesn't have to always completely abandon that'd be great but it doesn't um abandon the intoxication with with good health this kind of goes with the first one you know you're instead of being obsessed with youth and beauty you're obsessed with being really healthy you know maybe you work out every day and you try to maintain that like i am the the epitome of health um and when you get sick you get really angry like ah my body has failed me and that's dukkha right there but uh ajahn brahm the the famous monk who lives in australia hilarious guy he gave this talk about sickness and i love love one thing he said and that was you know oh you know when you get sick and you go to the doctor you always go to the doctor and say oh doctor there's something wrong with me i'm sick again and he says no you go to the doctor and say oh doctor there's something right with me again i'm sick (laughs) because you will get sick and that's just part of life and Mm -hmm. And sometimes we fight it, and um, a lot of people, a lot of uh, a lot of monks, especially, will say like, you know, when you're sick, like the best thing to do is just be with that sickness and 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 you know accept it, and because you know there maybe there's even some uh, studies out there that show that that kind of ease into sickness can help boost the 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 immune system or something even Um, but it's like we're gonna get sick and it's laughable to think we won't the third remembrance is on point with this episode and it's i'm subject to death i cannot escape death and this obviously helps with abandoning the intoxication with life and with clinging to the body and clinging to the senses and the sense pleasures. Um, the fourth one is I am subject to parting and separating from everyone and everything dear to me. And and this helps this helps diminish and abandon the intoxication with 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 things with people with you know we we put so much pressure on external things to make us happy like oh if i only just had that car or if only i 
you know, can marry the, the, the person of my dreams, things will be, like, life would be amazing. If I had a million friends. Yeah, like, if I, you know, if I just had a, a boatload of cash, and it's like, that kind of clinging and relying on external things uh, will always end up disappointing you somehow. Um, and the fifth remembrance is... It goes something like, I am the owner of my actions, heir of my actions, have actions as my origin, as my relative, as my resort. I will be heir to whatever fruits of my actions, good or bad, that I do. And that kind of drives home the, the reality in Buddhism that like, what, you're, what you say, what you think, what you do have, have consequences. And we should try to practice in a way where good where good consequences happen uh where we can we can stop you know we can we can stop causing ourselves suffering because the suffering actually doesn't come from the 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 lack of the boatload of cash it comes from the the clinging to that idea to what is ultimately an unrealistic idea of of satisfaction um because you know a boatload of cash you'll still get old you'll still get sick you'll still die um and the cash as well you'll be robbed it'll create anxiety like you there's taxes always, there's so many downfalls to like a life of luxury like that you know mm -hmm. um and so these five remembrances kind of like you know will chasten us you know will bring this feeling of sung vega up and and it's just, and it's same with the, the Marana Sati. It's, it's kind of like reminding you every day of that, of that elusive truth that will slip from our minds so easily. And when we bring our minds back to that, to those truths, it really helps us focus in on what actually, what actually matters, what actually will help us and i think that's also one of the things that the fifth remembrance really points to is that you know the famous saying you can't take it with you mm -hmm. um the only thing in buddhism that is taken with because i'm not even going to say y you take um is the consequences of the actions and thoughts um that karmic that karmic wave will keep on rolling even if you even if you're tossed out of the boat you know yeah because there's too much cash in it <laughs> uh, and yeah I think I mean I think that's uh, that really that's all the notes I took but I mean, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> right. I know the Bible says that bodily exercise prof profits little, but it's not talking about working out. <laughs> <laughs> it's talking about like ritualistic, like exercise, like. It's not talking about gains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no gains. Um, I I thought of something um, that I kind of touched on on an earlier episode, but it it 
points more towards the death concept. Um, and it talks like, uh, Paul talks about like the dead in Christ being asleep in Christ. Like they're sleep, they're just sleeping. Like their bodies are just laying down for a little bit. There are some Christian circles that believe in what's called soul sleep. And it's basically like your soul is still with your body and you're just like unconscious. And like the next, like once you die, the next experience you'll have is the resurrection. I don't necessarily believe in that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, it's, a. Uh, it's, it's out there. Um, it's one of those beliefs. Um, I don't necessarily believe that because Paul says, um, he says, basically he says like, uh, like to die, like when you die, you'll like be with Jesus. I don't even remember the wording he used. It's escaping me right now. But, um, basically when you die, you'll be with the Lord. Um, and I mean, he kind of says that in Philippians one where it's like to, to die and be with the Lord is much like far greater, um, or far better or whatever. Um, but the one thing that I kind of thought about, like being comforted with death is how Paul says, you know, he talks about the rapture and like the order of everything. And then at the end he says, like comfort each other with these words, because when you think about it, like your body is sleeping, like you're not even in your body. And then like the resurrection is going to happen and you're going to get your body back, like a, a better body. And like that should bring believers comfort and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. No. Um, but like seeing, talking about, you know, like beautifying and trying to make yourself like trying to deceive yourself basically that you're aging or that you're plummeting to your death. Um, like it's, it's so true. Like people try to find their way to like from a biblical perspective, it's like that it's like man trying to find their own way to eternal life. And it's like almost a very small trite, attempt to like forget about it like it's like trying to use a spoon to bail out water in the ship that's sinking because there's so much cash in it um, <laughs> i'm gonna beat on that for a while oh. <laughs> i'm gonna be using it no um but it's like it's like trying to bail out your ship with a spoon like you're not gonna that's not gonna work and like oh i'm i'm not dying see i, I promise like Look at me. I'm yeah, awesome. You, like, yeah, you like if you if you focus on like beauty and looking young or you know being you know I work out every day and like you look at yourself in the mirror it's like I'm doing it. I'm beating <laughs> I'm beating death and it's like no you're not. Like <laughs> oh man. Like, well, I just thought of a new excuse not to get up in the morning and work out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting like the talk about like you know, your body will come back or whatever. And because from a, a Buddhist perspective, it's very different. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you have like the, like the, the five aggregates that, that come together to, to make the appearance or maybe even if I'm brave enough to use the word illusion of self. Um, 
And in, in Buddhism, these five aggregates are what we cling to and what we are convinced is a self. But these five aggregates are the exact thing that will decay and and die like your body will go away <laughs> to put it lightly your your senses your 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 consciousness will fade away and you know that scares a lot of people because it's like oh no i'm dying but like but there's the trick of 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 not self in there and and i mean you could even say the whole of the of the buddhist practice is to not cling to the to the idea of self and i mean like there's a little quote up here that says sabe dhamma nalang abhinevesaya and it means like nothing whatsoever is worth clinging to because of that that fact that things are going to change things are going to decay things are going to die things are impermanent and also things are inherently not self. So that 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 idea of self that we cling to, it's like, oh no, but this is this is true. It's always gonna disappoint you because it's always gonna change. It's always gonna it's always gonna decay. And um and there's a, a a story that came to mind um one of the suttas and i'm gonna completely butcher it but um the buddha is there and a, a king comes to him and he asks him um i'm not even sure the question he asks like what's you know what's the most important thing to do or i don't even know if that's the question but the Buddha says, okay, say a messenger comes from the West and says, sir, there's a giant mountain rushing towards us. And then a messenger comes from the East and says, sir, there's a giant mountain rushing towards us. We can't stop. It. We can't stop them. They're just crushing everything in their path. And then a, a messenger from the North and a messenger to the South is like, uh, sir, there are these giant mountains rushing towards us and we can't escape. And we can't stop them. And obviously these stand for, you know, old age, sickness, death, or whatever. And so the Buddha asks the kings, like, if that was, if this, if these four messengers came to you and told you this, that there's no escape from these mountains rushing towards you, what do you do? And the king's like, I would practice the Dhamma, of course. And he's like, I, I, exactly, you know, old age, sickness death is always rushing towards you it's right there on the horizon rushing towards you what should you do you should practice the dhamma you know practice this path that that helps you not cling that liberates you from hmm. these from these ideas and from the suffering i am um... Uh, kind of not exactly related, but like it came to my mind and maybe it's my fatal flaw from a Buddhist point of view, but like, I remember being like in elementary school and I had this like thought, like, why am I me? And like, that was kind of like my, my, uh, like awareness of like my soul, I guess, or like my, 
being or you know myself if you will it's like why am i me like why am i experiencing this life like why aren't i why am i not experiencing someone else's life yeah that's it's trippy it is weird yeah it's like why like why am why am i centralized here like why um yeah and then like the thought of like like this body will die but like what about me though like where am i gonna be and like like i can answer that from a biblical perspective because like this body is just a vessel again like you know from the dust we came into the dust we'll return like the body at least but like the soul itself like the person that you actually are like will continue you know whatever whatever outcome you're gonna face i don't kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation like no one's really been there to tell us what is what exactly it's like besides you know the weird near-death experiences that we've seen and heard about um which again who knows if it's true or not but like what is that actually going to be like and you know in the bible there are two people that never died there was Enoch, which he, the Bible says he walked with God and was not like all of a sudden he just wasn't anymore. Like he was taken away basically. Um, and then there is, uh, Elijah, which was taken up in a chariot of fire. Um, so he didn't die. Some people think Moses didn't die, but the Bible does say he died. I do believe. Um, but, and there's some weird stuff about, I think Michael and, Satan, they were actually like disputing over Moses's body. Like something weird was happening in the angelic realm with his body. Like this is kind of weird. Then there's a time that I forgot. I think it was Elisha or Elijah made bones come alive. That's kind of freaky. <laughs> um, but like, what's what's gonna happen? Like, what does that look like from a biblical perspective? Like, how am I gonna get from here? to the third heaven like am i gonna be ushered by angels through the second heaven am i gonna be transported in the blink of an eye like over there like it's always just a weird thought like what's it actually gonna be like yeah that that thought of like that realization you had as a kid like i mean i had it too like whoa why am i me you know why am i looking out of these eyes and and yeah, I think. Well, oh, what is this? Just... What are we? Ex- what is the sensation I'm experiencing? Whoa! <laughs> 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 I mean, from a Buddhist perspective, it definitely differs very vastly from from a Christian perspective. In that, mm-hmm. like, why are you, you know, experiencing from this? I think specific viewpoint. And I think and that that word you just throughout was experience was like i think that's a really big word it it, i mean experience um and that probably kind of just the just the phrase that i used that i used like why am i experiencing um kind of 
kind of gets to the the the, the core of like from a Buddhist perspective, the the answer to this question is that there there is experience. There's not necessarily an I experiencing it in a in the way we think, um, because because this and this this concept of self, this this clinging to these aggregates, like oh this is this is me me, um, is from a Buddhist perspective, the, like, almost the primordial, if I may use that word, uh, ignorance that's coming about. And that ignorance that we talk about is, is kind of this, is almost, I like the word, like, mistaken. Like, we mistake these aggregates, this experience, as a, a me. And, you know, digging deep in into it trying to find that me you discover wait a minute there's there's not this is weird i mean it's <laughs> it is really weird but you know that's how like, Buddhist would answer. you saying that kind of made me think of something from a christian's perspective um though like experiencing you know experience from an eye perspective is very real in a christian perspective but like i think the issue is like me or I isn't what matters in a Christian perspective. Like stop caring about yourself. And like, cause you're not the, you're not the purpose. Like you have a purpose, but you're not the purpose and like, you know, care for others as well. But like the, the main f focus should be doing what you can or what you should or want to for the one that does matter because each individual has a purpose if they're in the body of Christ as members of that body. So like it is a whole, but you can still, it still comes from an, a, an individual experience. Um, and it's not like, I don't, th I really don't see anywhere in the Bible where it talks about like, like a, uh, like a single consciousness of like the body of Christ. It's not because we're all different and God uses all of our different traits for his good. And like, you know, in, in heaven, we're not going to be like a personality -less person. Like we will have our same personality. He will use it. Like we're, uh, I always hear that like, whatever we do in heaven or, you know, in the heavenlies, it's going to be something that we're made for and we're good at and we like it. It's not going to be a, like a dreadful task that we're assigned or anything. It's going to be something that we're, you know, our, our person is made for like, you know, I'm just like, you know, certain people are just made to do things like this is just me. Like I just have to paint or like I build things like that's just what I do. Like God's going to use that. But like, when you look at big picture, it's like the, for the body of Christ, it's like a working member. Like my, my nose does not flip through pages in a book. Like those are my fingers that do that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, my, my feet don't hear my ears do. <laughs> so it's different, but like, it's still an individualistic experience as well. 
but experience can be deceiving in a fleshly matter as well. But that's a whole nother subject. I liked your one of the opening things of that you said was that like stop caring about yourself. And that's like if you could summarize Buddhism in a very casual laid back way, I think that would summarize it. Is that you know, you're caring too much about this yourself and um that the word you used uh, identity is really good too because it's not because like that the idea of clinging to self can seem like pretty like esoteric or something but like it is really like the act of identifying and like oh yes this 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 body that's that's me this oh the the the, the sensation the body feels that's me too Oh, the consciousness, you know, the, the ability to, the, the eye to see, that's me too. And, and I don't know why this, this image came to mind, but it's like, I don't know if, if, it, if a kid like really got obsessed with, uh, a, a, I don't know, a car or like a, a, a bridge or something like a building or I don't know, maybe not a building, maybe something smaller, like a car, maybe like. There's a car that there's like a open. boat. It's full of cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah, a boat. Um, you know, they're out on the beach or at the at a pier or something, and there's a boat, and that kid loves that boat. They see it every time they they go there, and the the kid loves it so much that it's now his, because that he just loves it so much it's his, and then. You know, one day the the truck goes down the boat ramp and takes the boat out of the water and is driving away and the kid starts to cry and it's like, you can't, that's my boat. And it's like, that's a mistaken like identification with something that is not his. And that's, that's kind of what happens uh, definitely on a more subtle level with like the body and the and sensation and thoughts and you know the five aggregates like hmm. there's this 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 mistaken identification happening and it's hmm. like, oh this this is a this is a me yes and then the boat ramp you know the truck takes it off away with the boat ramp you know or aka it changes and or dies or whatever and all of a sudden you're like no you can't it's mine it sinks yeah yeah and it's like but it's not it's not yours hmm that's interesting yeah stop caring about yourself <laughs> i mean that's that is a uh, good bit of advice it's like telling the kid like Hey, you got to let that boat go because it's it's on its way to wherever it actually belongs. <laughs> like just stop caring about the boat and get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Um I know we could go on even more and I'm trying not to bring up more discussion because our time is running short. Um so We'll probably just have to uh, hold those thoughts. Um, 
but yeah, everyone, we're if you're still with us, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening and watching this. Um, uh, we really want to hear from you. If you have anything to bring to this conversation, don't think we won't bring up topics again. Because if we get oh, yeah. something from you guys and you want to talk about death or something, or you know maybe an experience you had, or like you want to put your two cents in, we'll definitely read it or play it or whatever on air or whatever you have, um, and or whatever you send us and. Don't yeah, contribute to our conversations. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not just us. It's also you guys as well. Um, that's if why we're will. recording this and not just talking or over the phone. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, thanks again, guys. Like, subscribe, share with people, and hit us up. Um, we're always open to communication. Do, yeah. Do you know? Do you know a Baptist? Do you know a Buddhist? Maybe you know both, and maybe they will appreciate this podcast. Maybe you don't. You, you know someone else who's who belongs to a, a completely different viewpoint who might appreciate hearing different viewpoints. Yeah, or maybe you guys think we might appreciate um, hearing from some really weird viewpoint that no one's ever heard of. You never know. Yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear other viewpoints i want to i want to learn exactly exactly well this has been the baptist and the buddhist with mark and brian and we will see you guys next time <laughs>